Mother's Day. Just last Sunday, I was having a time of prayer in a Zoom conference with two of our elders. We do this regularly, and one of the elders was specifically asking me, saying, Alan, how's your life going? How's your self-care going? Is there anything that we can pray with you about? And we talked back and forth a little bit, and probably like most of you, one of the things that I was sharing with him is that I've just sensed I've been on edge lately. There's been a bit of irritableness that I've dealt with. And this particular elder asked me if I had seen an article by Dr. Kurt Thompson, which I hadn't. So he sent it to me. And it's a wonderful article that really talks about how our attitudes and feelings during this pandemic have moved from anxiety to predominant feelings of irritability and anger. It's not that anxiety necessarily has gone away. They're just being overshadowed now by, again, irritability and, and anger. Now, there's a couple things that he points out in the article that are causing this. One is seeing and now experiencing the effects of the pandemic. You see, because when it first started, the fear and the anxiety that we felt was in the, what is this to come? It's the fatality of it. Am I going to get the coronavirus? Is my family going to get it? And so all of a sudden now, seven, eight weeks in, whatever it is we are, we are in the midst of it. We're seeing the effects and we're experiencing it. The second feeling that he points out in this article that is leading to our irritability and anger is this feeling of powerlessness. And I think you would agree with me that he's right in that. Listen to the words. Dr. Thompson writes, Anger is a mobilizing effect that comes to our rescue when we perceive that we are powerless to protect against a threat. Powerlessness for the body is ultimately translated as immobility, the inability to defend oneself. And in our case, to defend ourselves against being able to move and to connect with others. We see here how irritability grows out of immobility. Irritability grows out of immobility. So again, like me, these feelings of powerlessness and immobility are leading and transitioning, transitioning us from anxiety to feelings of anger. Now, I believe in thinking about this, there's a spiritual side of this too. Think in your own life, sin, sickness, death, unmet expectations, worry and doubt can leave you feeling trapped and stuck and unable to move, which can lead to hope, hopelessness, powerlessness, and irritability. Now, it's Mother's Day weekend, and one year ago on this weekend, I wasn't here at ACAC. In fact, I was preaching Mother's Day weekend at a previous church before I came here. And what's really interesting is I was in a season of that time of feeling powerless. I was in a season of feeling trapped and immobile, and it was moving towards very much feelings of anger. And in that message that God gave me for that time one year ago this weekend, I believe that God gave me a message 
of being strong and courageous. And while it was for that congregation, it was really for me. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but some of the best sermons and some of the best messages are the ones that you preach to yourself. So as I was preparing for this Mother's Day, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, Alan, that very message that I gave to you a year ago, when you were in the midst of feeling trapped and powerless, right now in this season, there are people all over in the body of Christ feeling those same emotions. And now you're to give that same message. So today we're going to talk about an amazing mom, an incredible mom found in the Old Testament who displayed amazing courage, amazing strength, and amazing bravery. Her name is Deborah, and it's found in the book of Judges, chapter 4 and chapter 5. So with that, the title of this weekend's message is Judge, Warrior, and Mom. And for those of you moms that are sitting there watching this, I'm sure you feel all three of those right now. You feel like a judge because you're settling disputes at home, and you certainly are feeling like a warrior because you're rising up and you're conquering this incredible difficult season that you're managing. And mom, you're our hero. So join me with prayer as we start our message for today. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word using this technology, that while we are not gathering here in person, that your presence is still with us. Your presence right now is in every home, every office, maybe the car that's watching or listening to this, you are here. And in the midst of those who are feeling helpless and powerless and are wrestling with emotions of anger and feeling trapped, I pray that this burning word that your spirit has put in my heart would penetrate their hearts today. Do it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, I want to encourage you to open it up to the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Now, the story of Deborah is told in two chapters— one in chapter 4 and one in chapter 5, though they are different. The fifth chapter of Judges is really a song or a poem. It's a prose that tells the story, which Deborah writes herself. The fourth chapter is the narrative. So to introduce the story, I do want to go to Judges chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to this. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. I love those words that she wrote. When all of a sudden, the men and women, there was no one in Israel that would fight. She says, I, a mother in Israel, arose. You see, God raised up this judge, this warrior in Israel, to deliver Israel from their enemy. Now, before we get into the specifics of chapter 4 and that story, I don't want to assume for a minute that all of you know the background and the story with it. So I'm going to take us back to Sunday school for a minute and understanding that we have people tuning in, watching that may not know all of the biblical history. So going back before the book of Judges to Moses, you may remember that it was Moses who God called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So through the plagues, we get past this, the incredible victory at the Red Sea. God is with Moses and the Israelites, and he leads them out from under Egyptian slavery. 
Now the Israelites turn from God, they're disobedient, and they wander in the wilderness for years. And finally, God speaks and he tells them, this land that I have promised you, named Canaan, Moses, you're not going to be the one that leads them there. And God raises up a new leader named Joshua. Now Moses and God both instruct Joshua and instruct the Israelites before going into the promised land named Canaan. He says, be strong and courageous. So now Joshua has taken over as leader of the Israelites. They cross the Jordan in a mighty display of God's power. And the very first battle is one in which you've probably heard. It's Jericho, the battle of Jericho. And if you remember, once a day, for six days, they marched around the city of Jericho. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times. The trumpeters were out the front. The worshipers were out front. They blow the trumpet. They shout. And incredibly, God gives Joshua and the Israelites a victory. And they defeat Jericho. But that isn't the last battle that happens in the land of Canaan. There were lots of other battles to come. And one of those battles was in the land of Hazor against a king named Jabin. Now remember that name, King Jabin and Hazor. It's going to come up later in the book of Judges. So Joshua and the Israelites, they go through Canaan. They defeat Jabin and Hazor. And years and years and years go by after the Israelites are now living in the land of Canaan. And that brings us to the book of Judges. Now, this is before Israel had a king. This is before King Saul. This is before King David. And there's really a repetitive pattern in this book of Judges. You see what happens is the Israelites obey God and then they forget about being obedient. They forget all of his faithfulness and they turn away from God. And then certainly an enemy comes in and they oppress the Israelites and the Israelites are living in slavery and bondage and oppression. And what do they do? They cry out to God. And then God raises up judges to rescue his people and to deliver them. And that's what the book of Judges is really about. Now, we get to Deborah, this mother of Israel who rose up when no one else would fight. She was the third judge in Israel. And the Bible says that she was a prophet and a judge. And she was called the mother of Israel. She was the third judge. And this is about 300 years later. Now, Judges 4, verse 4 says this, Deborah, the wife of Lipidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. Now, there are only two judges who had both the title of prophet and judge. The judge, as I already said, was the person that God rose up, the leader that God rose up to rescue Israel. But the prophet was one who was the voice box of God. They heard from the Lord and gave God's heart to the people of Israel. So there were only two. One was Samuel and the second was Deborah. So Deborah and Samuel were both God's voice box. They were the voice of God to the people and the judge and the leader. Now we get to Judges. I'm going to go back two verses. Chapter 4, verse 2. This introduces our story. The Bible says that the Lord turned them over. This is Deborah and the Israelites. Turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. Now, wait a second. I just told you that Joshua and the Israelites, this is 30 to 40 years earlier 
defeated a king named Jabin in Hazor. Well, King Jabin, that name Jabin is really a royal name, like King Henry or King George, the first, second, third, fourth. But here we have King Jabin, another King Jabin from Hazor was oppressing the Israelites. Now, rather than read through the entire fourth chapter of Judges, I'm going to expand the story to you and tell it to you this way. And I mean, if you were going to make a movie or if this was going to be a series on Netflix, I'm telling you, this is the story that you would pick. You would binge watch this. So let me tell you the characters. First of all, we understand that there's Deborah. She is the prophet and the judge of Israel. She's the leader of Israel that God raised up. She's one of the good girls. Now her commanding officer in the Israelite, Israelite army. His name is Barak. Deborah and Barak, they're good. On the opposite side, we were introduced to King Jabin. King Jabin is king of Hazor in the land of Canaan. And his army general was named Sisera. Jabin and Sisera, Barak and Deborah. And here's what happens. The Bible says in that fourth chapter that for 20 years... King Jabin of Hazor ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites. And it also says that they had 900 chariots. And we have to understand that this is a time in history where we were coming out of the Bronze Age into the Iron Age. So the Canaanites had 900 chariots. King Jabin and his general Sisera, this is a mighty army. The Israelites didn't have chariots. So if you think about it from a From a strength standpoint, the Canaanites, Jabin, and these 900 chariots had a huge technical advantage. If you're talking an army with 900 chariots and an army without, the guys with the chariots are certainly going to win. So in the middle of this oppression for some 20 years, the Israelites cried out to God for help. And then this is when a mother of Israel arose. God raises up Deborah and she calls to her army general Barak. And she says, this is what the word of the Lord of Israel says. She says, Barak, I want you to take 10,000 troops of our army of Israel. And I want you to go up to Mount Tabor. And then I'm going to call out King Jabin. I'm going to call out Sisera and I'm going to call out their 900 chariots. And while you're on top of Mount Tabor, I'm going to call them out to the Kashan Valley, right by the Kashan River. And we're going to go meet them in battle. And God is going to give us the victory. Now think about this. (laughs) Barak as her second in command is like, you want me to take 10,000 troops without chariots and to leave the top of Mount Tabor, which is a military advantage, and you want me to go down the mountain to flat land, which is an advantage for 900 chariots and the Canaanite army. She's like, yeah. Well, if you know the story at all, you know that Barak says, I will do it, but only if one thing happens. And Barak says to Deborah, I will go, but Deborah, I will only go if you go with me. Now, it's often been taught that Barak is showing a lack of faith or fear because Deborah responds to him by saying, I'll go with you, but you're not going to get the victory. A woman will get the victory, which happens later, which I'm going to tell you in a moment. But here's what I believe. I don't believe that Barak was displaying a lack of faith or fear. 
You see, in the book of Hebrews, later, later on, the writer of Hebrews uses Barak as an example of one who had displayed faith. And in Eastern culture, it was very common for uh, when countries would go out to war, they would take the idols of their God with them into battle in believing that these idols would go before them. In fact, the very words that Barak says, I will go, but only if you go with me, really echo the words of Moses years before when he says to God, God, I will go, but only if you go before me. So what I believe is Barak is saying to Deborah, Deborah, unlike these other countries, unlike the Canaanites who are going to bring these idle plastic wooden gods with them, you are the voice of Yahweh. You are the voice of our God. So I will go, but I want you, I want Yahweh to go with us. And she says, I will. So Barak obeys Deborah. He gets the troops. They're on top of Mount Tabor. And if you will, I was actually in Israel last summer. And I had the opportunity to take a picture on the top of Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel and Mount Tabor are pretty close to each other. And the Kishon River and the Kishon Valley goes right in front of them. So look at this picture, if you will. And what you're seeing is the Kishon Valley. So right there in the living room where you're at, I want you to imagine Barak and these 10,000 troops. This is the view that they have. And below it in that valley are 900 chariots and an army of the Canaanites. And here's what Deborah does. She finally says, she calls out, the war is about to begin. The battle is about to begin. And she says to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. And in that moment, Barak and the 10,000 troops go down the hill. They meet these 900 chariots and the warriors are there. And then an amazing thing happens. The Bible says in that fourth chapter that God stirred the Canaanite army into confusion, much like he did for Moses and the Israelites years before. And Israel wins the victory. Now, I have to finish the story because this is one of the best parts. So the, is, the Canaanite army is pretty much defeated. And, and King J- Sierra, or not King Sierra, but Sierra, un, King J- Jabin's general, escapes on foot. He runs like a chicken, gets off, the, gets off the chariot, and he runs. And he runs into a new character in the story named Jael. And he comes up to her, and Jael is friends of King Jabin's family. And he says, can I hide in your tent? They're chasing me down. She says, sure. So she gives him some milk and covers him in a blanket and hides in the tent. And then later on, Barak comes, and he finds out that Jael had taken a tent peg and drove it through the head of King Jabin, and he's gone. What an amazing story. What an amazing display of courage and strength in which Deborah rose up as a judge, as a warrior, and as a mom. Now, here's the thing. It is a great story. It's a great narrative. It would make a fantastic movie. But this is scripture. This is history. And it's more than that. This is also theology. This isn't just fiction that was written in a book or something that should motivate us and make us feel good. This is doctrine. There are biblical principles within this that we can take from today. So for those of you that are feeling powerless, you're feeling 
irritable and immobile. There is strength and courage, lessons that can be found from Deborah. Judges 4, 23 and 24. This is after the battle was over. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. So what does that mean for us today? What do you and I take away from this incredible judge, warrior, and mom who displayed bravery, strength, and courage? There's three things. Here's the first. One, you and I have to understand that there will always be a Jabin. Think about the Israelites. It could have been Deborah who was there. There would have been Israelites that were alive 30 to 40 years earlier when Joshua had defeated King Jabin. 30 to 40 years later, here they are, no longer victors. Jericho's gone. The victory over King Jabin is gone. They no longer are dominant in the land of Canaan. Now, for 20 years, they are the ones being oppressed by a king and a nation they had defeated only 30 to 40 years before. There will always be a Jabin. And the lesson is that for you and I, both corporately as a church and both for us personally, is that there will always be a Jabin. There will always be an enemy. And what is it? Corporately speaking, it's so important for us to understand that the church of Jesus Christ will always face opposition. We will always face criticism. We will always face persecution. You personally, as a believer in Jesus, once you sign up and you become a Christ follower and you give your life to him, you put your faith and your trust to him, we have to understand that we will always wrestle. There will always be an enemy. Doubt will come. Worry will come. Sickness will come. Trust, finances, relationship, the, always, the enemy will always come attacking. There will always be a Jabin. It's impossible to demonstrate courageousness and strength, though, without being in a battle. Think about it. One can't be strong. One can't be courageous. One can't demonstrate bravery unless you are in an environment of uncertainty. Unless you are in a battle, you can't display light without there being darkness. Moses knew that. God knew that when he spoke to Joshua, when he spoke to the Israelites before they went into the land of Canaan, he said, be courageous and be strong, knowing that there were going to be battles ahead. And you and I have to understand there will be battles ahead, not just this pandemic, not just this battle now. There will be future more to come. And in the midst of that, God has called us to be courageous and strong. Jesus said the very same thing in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace on me, peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and many sorrows. But Jesus also said, take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us we're going to have trials. We're going to have sorrows. But in him and through him, we are overcomers. Walking with Christ does not guarantee a pain-free, trouble-free life. No, rather, it is walking with the one who took on that pain, who bore on that pain, who bore all that trouble so that we may live in him. I think too often 
we set up young believers and we ourselves forget that we're in a spiritual battle. I think too often when someone comes to Christ, we forget to warn them, say, now you have an enemy. You're on God's side. You're on Jesus' side. But there is an enemy who will come after you. And you are now engaged in a spiritual victory, in a spiritual battle. And our victory can only be found in Jesus. There will always be a Jabin. Here's the second lesson. It's found in Judges 4 verse 3. Sisera, who had 900 chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah understood, and as a judge, as a prophet, as the leader of the nation, she understood that her help was in the Lord. She led the Israelites to cry out to God for help. While we know and understand there will always be a Jabin, there will always be an enemy, there also will always be a helper. This judge, this warrior, this mom led her people to cry out to the Lord for help. We can only be courageous. We can only be strong when we look to God for help because it's him who strengthened us. And this is why it's so important that you and I practice spiritual disciplines. Things like Bible intake, Bible reading and meditation and prayer, fasting, gathering together, worship, giving, serving, the spiritual disciplines. You can't wait until the battle comes to abide in him. We've got to be abiding in him so that when the battle comes, our strength comes through him. I love it. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, Paul writes, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Paul understood that just like you train your physical body to be ready when pressure comes, to be ready when opposition comes, so our spiritual side needs to be ready. This isn't a motivational speech. I'm not trying to to motivate you to puff your chest and be strong and courageous on your own. No, it is only through Jesus. It is only through the power of his spirit. I shared with you that a year ago, I was going through a season of, of powerlessness, of feeling that way and angst and anxiety and, and even anger at times. There was a verse that God brought to my attention that I meditated on day and night. It, it became really a prayer mantra, if you will. It's Ephesians 3.16. And it says that I pray from his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Those of you that are feeling depleted. Those of you that are feeling anger because you feel helpless and trapped and immobile. The inner strength that you need only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's unlimited in resources. It's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. For me, and I want to encourage you, I took that verse and I personalized God's word. I said, God, I pray that from your glorious unlimited resources that you would empower me with strength through your spirit. Write that verse down. Write God's promises down. Put them in places where you can see them. Repeat them to yourself. Meditate on them. Memorize them. The Holy Spirit will bring comfort, hope, peace, and strength. Strength and courage can only be found when you're under his wings and you're abiding in him. 
David went through much of this and he understood it when he wrote the words, because you are my helper, I will sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. There will always be a David, there will always be an enemy, but there is always a helper. So when we live in him, abide in him, when we cling to him, when we sing to him, and when we pray to him, his wings cover us. Here's the third one. Deborah understood there was going to be a Jabin, that God was her help, and that there would always be a choice. Deborah and Barak had a choice. After 20 years of oppression and no chariots, they ran to the battle. They didn't shrink back in fear. You can flee or you can fight. But each and every one of us today have a choice whether we will display strength and courage. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. I love that. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. And we do a lot of talking as Christians. But Paul says, no, it is living by God's power. And then he asks that church a question. He says, which do you choose? Do you choose talking or do you choose living by God's power? Deborah and Barak understood we have a choice today and we will live and allow God to display his power. And the church of Jesus Christ, ACAC, and you and I personally have a choice today whether we will allow God to work through us in the midst of uncertainty or whether we will just do this. I'm not blind to the world around us. Are there there times when I scratch my head and wonder, Are there times when I look at our culture and the direction that our nation is going and and have emotions of fear and worry? Sure, I do. Are there times when I wonder about the world my children will live in? Absolutely. But for 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ has been persecuted. For 2,000 years, Satan has brought Jabin after Jabin to attack his church and his people. But for 2,000 years, God has been faithful and he always will. He's our helper and you and I have a choice. And today I choose God's power. God's people should be demonstrating God's power to the world around us. And we do this by displaying and choosing strength and courage in the midst of uncertainty and difficult times. And here's the thing as I close this today. God chose Deborah. I think too often when we look at this verse, she was the only woman out of, four, out of 12 judges. In a time when men were leaders, women, this wasn't the place where women were warriors and judges. And we often think, well, no man stood up, so Deborah arose. No, I don't believe that. I believe when God looked down and he looked at all the men that were there and everyone else, no, he said, that's the person that I need. I have called Deborah to rise up. And there are so many moms that are watching this today. There are those that have lost children far too young. There are those of you today that are teaching your own children. You've lost jobs or you're still working and you're, you're trying to balance being a working mom and being a teacher and, and leading your home. There are some of you that today 
Mother's Day is painful because it's the first Mother's Day without your mom. There are some of you that are in mourning. There are some of you that you desire with all of your heart to be a mom, but you can't have children. I want you to know that there will always be a Jabin. The enemy will always come and attack your thoughts and your mind. But today you have a helper and you have a choice. And God called a courageous woman named Deborah, who was a mom, to arise and display strength and courage. Today I want to close with a prayer. And I want to close not only for the moms that are watching, but for the men and singles and widows and all in between who are feeling helplessness and power. And my prayer today is a bit different. It's straight out of God's word and I've personalized it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 27 as a closing prayer. And I pray that God's words, these words would penetrate your heart and your home today and that you would allow his spirit to fill you with strength. Let's close in prayer. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Why should we be afraid? The Lord is our fortress protecting us from danger. So why should we tremble? When evil people come to devour us, when our enemies and our foes attack us, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds us, our hearts will not be afraid. Even when we are attacked, we will remain confident. The one thing we ask of the Lord and the one thing we seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of our life delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal us there when trouble comes. He will hide us in his sanctuary. He will place us out of reach on a high rock. Then we will hold our heads high above our enemies who surround us. At his sanctuary, we will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear us as we pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer us. Our heart has heard you say, come and talk to me. And our heart responds, Lord, we are coming. Do not turn your back on us. Do not reject your servants in anger. You have always been our helper. Don't leave us now. Don't abandon us. O God of our salvation, even if our fathers and our mothers abandon us, the Lord will hold us close. Teach us how to live, O Lord. Lead us along the right path, for our enemies are waiting for us. Do not let us fall into their hands, for they accuse us of things we have never done. With every breath, they threaten us with violence. Yet we are confident we will see the Lord's goodness while we are here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, Wait patiently for the Lord. Amen. And to you strong and courageous women, happy Mother's Day.